Hi, filmmakers. Jason Brubaker with FilmmakingStuff.com. I specialize in showing filmmakers how to make, market, and sell your movie without the middleman. And today I wanted to offer some inspiration for any of those of you, um, for those of you that are out there living in a small town, wondering just how the heck are you ever going to, you know, take the next step so that you can take action and actually get a movie made, seen, and hopefully sold uh, in a global marketplace. So, you know, a little bit about me, long before I ever made a single penny making movies, I was stuck in a small town. Um, <laughs> when I was just out of college, I was living with my parents. And to make ends meet, I took a job selling dishwashers and garbage disposals. And back then, you know, I was like a lot of people. I knew I wanted to make movies, uh, but I really had no idea how the heck I was going to get started. So, in fact, you know, I, I spent a lot of time feeling discouraged. I felt depressed. And frankly, in a small town revolving around, you know, factory workers, I felt pretty lost. So like most uh, would-be independent filmmakers, uh, I was inspired by the news of Kevin Smith and Ed Burns and the other indie filmmakers who were, you know, they were finding innovative ways to get movies made, seen, and sold. So these guys, what they did was they inspired me to take action and gain experience. Um, I remember reading, probably a lot like you, I was reading everything I could get my hands on. Now, obviously, this was before podcasts, but <laughs> I remember going to the bookstore and, and grabbing these books on, you know, how to make a movie. I was I was looking for a step-by-step -step system that would show me how to make a movie and then sell it for a gazillion dollars, you know, because I had to take action. So after saving up all summer to buy used Airflex BL 16-millimeter camera um, and a few rolls of film, I spent an entire weekend producing my movie. And what's funny is after buying beer for the wrap party, I promptly ran out of money. So for the next six months, I had to work to save up enough money to actually get the film processed and then transferred to video so I could actually edit it. Uh, but during that time, you know, what kept me going is I would come home each night and I would gaze at, at those... Uh, three 400-foot rolls of exposed 16-millimeter film that were, uh, you know, collecting dust on my bedroom floor. And I would think, you know what? This is proof, you know? If I do nothing else in life, this film right here on the floor collecting dust is proof that, you know, I'm a filmmaker. Um, but obviously that's not the scope and scale of how anybody wants to be a filmmaker. you got to get your movie out there. And, and I eventually... You know, I eventually got the movie processed. I got it transferred to video. I got it edited. But, you know, during the time, I, I couldn't help but feel a little bit disheartened. I mean, if it took me a year just to finish a short film um, based on financial constraints, how long would it take me to get a feature made? So to answer this question, um, I moved to New York City. I ended up working alongside a then something, you know, a 20 something year old entrepreneur, entrepreneurial producer. His name was uh, Seth Carmichael. And with Seth, uh, you know, what I learned was what it took to make features and actually get them made. But additionally, uh, the other thing I found out about was the next major hurdle uh, of the filmmaking process, which is uh, discriminatory distribution. You know, during that time, I remember sitting in on meetings with, uh, prospective investors and most of these guys were experienced business professionals but they were coming from other industries and they immediately understood you know that even the best indie movie was worthless without distribution so the fact that independent filmmakers cannot access distribution what it meant was that it would be tough to reach an audience 
And without an audience, you know, there would be no sales. And now this fact alone made it very tough to raise money. But even with the odds stacked against us, you know, like most filmmakers, we believed that if we could just make the movie, the money would come. You know, and you probably thought this, I'm going to make my movie and sell it at Sundance. Well, back then, you know, that was the Sundance stream, and it was so intoxicating that, you know, even though you kind of knew it, most filmmakers refused to acknowledge the fact that only a handful of independent films actually got accepted into the festival, and most of those movies failed. They failed to garner a distribution deal that actually paid any real money. And so, you know, the truth is that didn't stop filmmakers from trying. You know, even when the rejection letter from Sundance arrived in the mail, you know, most filmmakers, you know, they still blindly clung to the hope that things would turn out well. I mean, you know, even if you can't get into Sundance, there's still the possibility of getting noticed at a secondary film festival. But what happened was after a few months on the regional film festival circuit with no sign of distribution in, 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 in sight, you know, many of these once enthusiastic filmmakers they ended up giving up hope, you know, and they went back to their day jobs. And, the, you know, I, as tough as, as it is, because I want to, you know, when I make these podcasts, I like to, at, at some level, I like to think like, you know, what is it that I can give you that's going to help you overcome some of these mental blocks? But for me, it was really tough. I left New York and moved to Los Angeles and even though I had all this knowledge of how tough and challenging it was going to be, I knew even going into it that, you know, it was time for me to try my luck at winning the Sundance stream. But the odds of garnering a profitable distribution deal, you know, I knew that was against us. So some of the things that we did to increase our chance of success was we decided to go out and find a market. And then what we did was we dumped our limited resources into a niche audience focused silly zombie movie and you know we knew that the movie was not oscar caliber but it did have a remarkable hook um, which helped promote word of mouth marketing and so as a result what happened was we received quite a few calls from prospective distributors and sales agents while we were still in production and if that happens to you you know like us you know we were excited uh, but what we later found out was instead of writing us a check you know, many of these guys, they simply expected us to relinquish our movie rights for the validation of seeing our movie at the local video stores. You know, it was something like, well, we won't make any money, but at least we can go to the local video store and we can rent our own movie. Like, you know, like that's supposed to be fun. Um, so the thing was, I knew the odds of getting a gazillion dollar check were improbable. Um, but just like you and all the filmmakers that came before us, we held out hope. That we, you know, that someone would discover, someone would discover us and give us some money. Um, but the truth is that never happened. But we did have a strategy. This was um, around 2006. And we decided at that time, while the Internet was gaining popularity, we decided to try selling our movie through Amazon.com uh, through a company they own called CreateSpace. Now, I want to make something very clear. Again, this was a time... Um, when, you know, when the idea of selling movies over the internet was new and it reminded a lot of people of self-distribution. Now, I don't know how you think about the term self-distribution, but back then it was considered derogatory. Any filmmaker that had to self-distribute their work 
you know, obviously they weren't as great of a filmmaker as, you know, somebody who didn't have to self-distribute your work. And it's funny how things are changing now. Uh, but back then it was such a derogatory term. But that we didn't mind it so much. You know, you can imagine our surprise when we, you know, started making over a few thousand dollars in a few short months with a feature film that was otherwise collecting dust. So that experience is what forever changed the way that I viewed filmmaking. And it's why I'm always talking about distribution. And it's why I'm always talking about the importance of sourcing your own audience. Um, if you're looking for more information about that, go to, uh, well, I'm still thinking about it. Go to howtosellyourmovie.com. If you're listening to this, just open up a separate internet browser. Go to howtosellyourmovie.com. Um, but you got to know something about me. You know, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you're looking for information on how to get a three pick, uh, uh, information on uh, three point lighting or how to set up some dolly track, you, frankly, I'm probably not the guy for you. You know, all that technical stuff is absolutely essential. But the truth is, you could just go out and do a Google search and you're going to find information about all that stuff and just about every filmmaking book ever published. And, you know, frankly, you probably already have tons of that material anyway, so you don't need to hear more of it from me. Um, but what I like to talk about is I like to talk about as a filmmaker, I want to talk about strategies on how to leverage um, the popular internet movie marketplaces as well as VOD marketplaces. Um, some examples of that, especially on the internet, would be like iTunes, Amazon, and Hulu. And I like to, you know, to show filmmakers how how to run your filmmaking business as a serious as a serious business, like you're creating your own mini studio. So you know everything that I give you as part of my worldview. You know, these are insights that I discovered through trial, error, frustration. Uh, I certainly had a lot of sleepless nights. I lost a few girlfriends, had some arguments, some tension. Uh, the list goes on and on and on, but I know you understand that, and I'm talking to you. So, you know, the, the things that I talk about, at times, they might seem a little bit unconventional, but I promise you this, if you keep an open mind, even if you are looking on how to set up three-point lighting or dolly track, if you, if you add this stuff that I'm going to uh, tell you about to your arsenal, well, you now have the ability to not only make movies, but you can actually gain an audience and start making some money doing it. So the way I like to think about things, there's a lot of filmmakers out there that are waiting for everything to be perfect before they go out and make their movie. I'm going to change that around, and I'm going to say to you, ask yourself this question. Given the resources that I have right now, what is the movie that I can make this year? And I'm going to repeat that here um, at the end of today's segment. But you got to keep in mind that the average American, they only live for 27,000 days. And the truth is time is running out. You know, it, it's, it's a little bit on the side of not too fun to talk about, but your life is too short to waste, you know, and what are you waiting for now? Right now is the time for you to take the necessary steps to make, market, and sell your movie. And if you're willing to roll the dice, and if you're willing to make your movie, then I got to tell you, you have an obligation to yourself, you have an obligation to your, your future cast and your crew and your family uh, to make the most successful independent movie ever made. And you don't need my permission to do, to do any of this. You know, if you want to write, you, you pick up a pencil and you write. And if you want to direct, you direct. And if you want to make your movie, 
this year, then you do it. But, you know, before you jump in, it helps to know what you want, you know. There's a lot of filmmakers out there that know that their career is driven by the need to be recognized. And there's nothing wrong with that. You should, you should just know that. Uh, there's other filmmakers out there that they just want a pile of money. And, you know, okay, good for you. And then there's other people that simply want a nice title that they can put on a business card. And when they go to the little cocktail parties, they can say, I'm a filmmaker. And people actually believe them. So, you know, really regardless of your desired career outcome, you, you need to determine what price you're willing to pay to achieve your filmmaking success, you know? What are you willing to sacrifice in terms of effort, in terms of time, in terms of money, in terms of frustration to get your movies made, seen, and sold? 